To be or not to be? That is the question. A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. Don't be so dramatic. Hello and welcome to Don't Be So Dramatic. I'm Steve Bradley. And I'm Jason B. Moore. Welcome everyone to episode 14. 14. 14. 14. Yes. <laughs> Today we are bringing you uh, an off-the-record talk, which was done with Bruce Alexander and... Clive Swift. And presented by Paul, Paul Clayton. C- Paul Clayton. It was recorded at the Tristan Bates Theatre. On Monday. Day, the yes. 25th, 25th of November. Of November. And... Um, here it is. And here it is. Hope you enjoy it. Interesting information about the Actors Centre, how it started. And yes, the two founders of the Actors Centre, yes. yes. Two of the first chairmen as well, apparently. They were. They yes, were. they'll find out. <laughs> okay, here it is. Enjoy. Good evening, welcome to Off the Record. This is the third in a series of informal chats and interviews that we're conducting here at the Actors Centre. And I'm absolutely thrilled tonight to have two immensely well respected actors and two people who were responsible for founding the Actors Centre as an idea and indeed ultimately responsible for the fact that we're all sitting in this building tonight. Uh, So we'll find out a little bit about them and how that happened, but would you please welcome Clive Swift and Bruce Alexander. Are you all right? I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine, thank you very much. How lovely, how lovely. I always start chats with actors exactly the same way, so it gives us one point of of commonality. Um, What was the moment when you thought, this is what I want to do? Uh, When uh, I was leaving university and somebody offered me a job, an acting (laughs) job. (laughs) Uh, And it was Peter Hall who was just setting up the RSC. Oh, right, okay. So he said, if you do go on the stage, um, you can be in my company when I first started in 1960. This is 1959, yeah. So I did, uh, I did an autumn season at Nottingham Rep, uh, which was a baptism of fire, um, uh, because I, <clears throat> at Cambridge I'd been quite a big fish in an amateur pond, and they didn't like me at all at Nottingham. They'd all been in weekly rep, and, uh, 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 and there was a kind of gay majority also, who I hadn't encountered very much before. And they talked in language I didn't quite understand, and they really put me through it. Um, <laughs> not, not in that sense. <laughs> um, and they also hated me because I was going on to, to join the what, what became the RSC. So I don't blame them at all for hating me. But was that your ambition when you went to Cambridge, when you were coming to think, I want to be an actor? Was there a well, moment earlier well, when... Well, I suppose I got the bug at school. OK. And I, I was very... For, uh, the other thing is I went to... Uh, <coughs> I got to Cambridge. Um, I'm not quite sure how. Uh, because in those days, we only had to get two A-levels or something. I, I had I 
maths and Latin at O-level. Sorry, I'm not a total fucking idiot. <laughs> the jury's out on that. You know, it was, it was also, I had an older brother who was a rather good rugger player who'd been there. Uh, and I was a cricketer. So um, anyway, but uh, this was all an awful long time ago now. Um, but what I didn't realise, I had no idea that they did acting, that there was any drama at university at all. I mm -hmm. mean, I thought it was a kind of grim place where you went to, to study for three years. And or basically, uh, I was very fortunate because there was a whole gang of people, people... You've now uh, you've heard of, of a lot of them. They're called people like Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi and David Frost and John Bird and John Fortune and Eleanor Braun and all that lot. Um, uh, and so we acted and we just acted. And, and every time I had, I, I was in a play. I didn't. I don't know if you have to do this at your other. At the he went to the other place. Um, <laughs> I had to go to my moral tutor and say, please, can I be in a play? And I, after I'd been in, like, 20 plays or something, he said, for God's sake, you don't come and ask me anymore if you can be in a play. He said, your time is better spent on the stage than in the study. <laughs> and, and so I ended up uh, um, uh, uh, with a super part, uh, Falstaff in, uh, in both the Henrys <coughs> for the Marlowe Society at Cambridge. Brilliant. And um, then Peter Hall said, come and join my company. And I thought, well, uh, and there was uh, nothing else I could do. I, I got a second class degree in English literature. So what can you do? <laughs> well, I don't and, know. And, this guy um, so did, and you were at Oxford, but before that, was there a moment? Can you well, I, well, no, I, I suppose, like, like Clive, you sort of get hooked with acting at school. You know. uh -huh. And then it doesn't sort of seem a feasible possibility, does it, really? But you, then I did a lot at university. Because we actually, there was, I was doing law, and you do, you do two terms. Then you, take, you took the mods, which were the sort of make sure that you'd... It was a sort of early preliminary exam that you took in a three-year course after two terms. And then the next exam you took was the finals at the end of the third year. So you've got to fill the time somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and so rather like Clive, we did have a moral, the whole system of moral tutors. And from day one, he was being inundated with people who wanted to be in plays. And so he just said, don't bother, come and ask us, just do it. Oh. You know, and uh, it was a much more relaxed atmosphere. But then actually at Oxford, it's just sounding like some sort of terrible... University conspiracy, isn't it? Which is probably there's a lot of us in the in the in the business, it has to be said. But at, um, then at Oxford, I was sort of, you know, there, there was such a lively atmosphere because when they'd just done, for example, the first production of uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead up in uh, uh, up in Edinburgh. This was before my time, and it, it, stuff that being was coming out of the universities at uh, and coming into the West End. Like a sort of straight direct transfer. We did a show called, well, they did a show in a pre, you know, the year or two before me called Hang Down Your Head and Die About Capital Punishment. Oh, right, there were yeah. people queuing up to get into, uh, was it the Garrick or somewhere? Mm -hmm. you know, and you just thought, oh, I'll have a bit of that. <laughs> so, uh, I did. And 
when you came out, was Peter Hall waiting to say, come and do you know, come? Do you know he wasn't? No. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's surprising. To hear. There was a guy who had been an assistant director, right. the, who will remain nameless, uh, who had been an assistant director at the RSC, and he did phone me up. Who, who was he? I, I, I didn't <laughs> know it. No, I'm not going to tell you, because it's... Oh. And he did, he, <laughs> he did... Well, I'll tell you why, because... That's going to come up in audience questions <laughs> yes. later, you know that. He no? did phone me up and said, how about... Because uh, I, I did a, the law for a couple of years, you know, and um, he phoned me up and said, would you form a legal company for me? You know, write out the memorandum and the articles associated, form a legal company. And I said... Yeah, of course. What's it for? And he said, it's going to be the Shropshire Theatre Company. And um, he said, would you like to act as well? <laughs> and I said, yeah, why not? Because he was offering me, in those days, it was a closed shop, you couldn't get on stage unless you had an equity ticket. Uh -huh. And he was offering me 38 weeks um, on, a, on an equity contract. So I got my provisional uh, membership, which actually you needed 40 weeks. So you only had to find two more weeks to get... Uh, to get qualified as an actor, you know, in order to act on, the, on in, in, in telly studios or, or on the West End or whatever. Anyway, so we toured around the, the, the um, uh, Shropshire. Shropshire and the West Midlands generally, as far as Canterbury, Burton-on-Trent. <laughs> I mean, going around with shows in the back of a battered old Bedford van, um, uh, 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 and we, we were in a theatre called The Theatre on the Steps in Bridge North. Now, I don't know if you know Bridge North. There's a, the Severn River is there, the town's there, and you, you, there are sort of various steps up the back. And the, the, uh, halfway up a series of steps was the, an old congregational chapel or a citadel or something that had been turned into a theatre by some local amateurs. So, and every night you couldn't leave your set in the Bedford van because it would get nicked by the Shropshire locals. <laughs> so you um, walked up the steps with, and, and carried the set after you'd done your show in... Wem or something. <laughs> you carried the set into the into the uh, theatre, and then in the next morning you got the set out, and and of course these sets, because the designers didn't really know much about, they were coming heavier and heavier and heavier, and we were getting squeezed into the back of this van. So I had a much less um, romantic. So, or two to so, start. So you, but were nearly, you were nearly a stage manager or an ASM. Well, I, we were all, actors, all of us were. Ooh. But all of us were. We were all actors, stage managers. I've got the scars to prove it. No we were all actors, stage managers. Well, manager. can I say the one thing, Patricia Routledge, she has a few <coughs> things against me. But well, the main thing she has against me that I was never an assistant sta a stage manager. <laughs> uh, she I never, she's never yeah. forgiven me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, this year was a complete disaster because the man actually was a charlatan. Direct, um, oh, in, uh, the Shropshire guy. No, no, no. The assistant director from the RSC. Who he won't mention. <laughs> Who I won't mention by right, Okay. <laughs> so it all ended in, in some tears. But I got my thirty-eight. So weeks. from university, it's into theatre for both of you to start off. Yes, very yeah. much. Yeah. Theater. And that's a pretty traditional at that oh, time. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Yes, absolutely. You got to theater, tell you later. Theatre. I um. Well, I. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, got my career here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Fits on the back of a postcard. I've got mine here, Clive, <laughs> I'm just watching it disappear. <laughs> <at the moment. laughs> carry on, carry on. Um, I was quite lucky. I got, um, I did some live television quite early. Oh, right, In okay. the 60s, yes. Uh, but we were, we were incredibly lucky. I, I can't tell you how 
fortunate I was. And uh, I don't want to, everybody will be green with envy, you know, uh, if I carry on like this, because um, <clears throat> when Hall set up his, the RSC in 1960, it wasn't actually called, it was called the Stratford-on-Ave Memorial Theatre Company or something. Anyway, he said, I want to keep a company together for a few years. And Peter O'Toole and Peggy Ashcroft said that they would lead the company. Okay. Okay, I'll try and make this as short as possible. But uh, O'Toole went off at, at, during the first season to be screen tested for Lawrence of Arabia. And I went on as his understudy for a week in Trollis and Cressida. And so I had a chance to be seen in a... Uh, did you know the part? The Cites? Mm -hmm. uh, a deformed and scurrilous Grecian. Yeah, I saw you do that. Oh, come on. I did. Oh. Because actually one another thing that got me into the theatre was going to the RSC as a child because we lived relatively close by. And I saw you do that. I saw you do... Well, you should have too. It, it, well, yeah, I think you were much better. He actually, he, he hated he hated the part, and he was usually a bit pissed when he did it because he'd done a magnificent Shylock, uh -huh. and he was also Petruchio oh, okay. in the Shrew. You're better and, casting for this. Thank you very much. Of the born and scurrilous Grecian. <laughs> um, anyway, the point was, uh, I, I got a three-year contract on the strength of that, and then another three-year contract. So I, I, was, I was stuck there for about eight years. But there was the also this thing that in those days, and it's a bit like, <coughs> we don't say now, but I suppose the culture was that and it, actors in that age would, would sort of say, <clears throat> I've got a telly. But it would be like quite second rate, wouldn't it? You know, everybody was busy doing theatre and people in the West End and began, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm doing a television. Well, uh, but Paul, it was, Paul, the brilliant thing was... Don't ask me how it worked, because it was such a long time ago, but if you did get a movie or some other job, you were allowed to go and do it and come back into the company. It was absolutely no, no. unbelievable. But the idea of you actually understudying for a week just couldn't happen now, did it? On the RS? I went on for a week. You went well, on for a week? Well, O'Toole didn't tell anybody where he was going. He oh, right. Just, so he just said he had to phone be with a bad throat. Eight days. No, he just said he had to be away. And but you uh, said that then you went into television drama and it was live. It was live telly. I, my first live telly was uh, a, 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 an episode of something called Love Story. There was a series at, uh, out in Red Effusion at with a, a place I've forgotten, um, out of London anyway. Elstree, no. no Elstree. Was it Elstree? Yeah. Yes, Yes, that's where it was. Boreham Wood. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I didn't know what the hell was happening, but because you know it, it was live, and I also did, was in a live show, small part, a magazine show called Compact. Ah, uh, indeed. People, it was about a women's magazine, and um, again, because I didn't know, you know, because it was all new, and I was used to. Being live, doing live theatre, I, I kind of hadn't got a lot to do. So, it, but there were people before the shows were going out live, being vomiting, you know, who had who had to carry the show. They were actually being ill around the studio. I'll never forget it. Uh, it uh, they, were, they were so they were terrified, yeah. terrified in live telly. And then I did I did quite a lot of I did. A, a Sunday evening show which used to alternate with Monitor 
uh, a rather classic yeah. um, sort of omnibus thing. It was written by Bamba Gascoigne. It was a kind of intellectual review, and that was live. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're scarred for life, clearly. Well, I, 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 it suddenly dawned on me that I had to recite to Andrew Marvell's To His Coy Mistress, which is a wonderful poem. It's about 40 lines long. And I had to recite it one as part of And I suddenly woke up in the middle of the night thinking, what if I drive? <laughs> and so I went to the producer, who was the co-writer of Yes Minister, um, Jay, Anthony Jay, okay. Sir Anthony Jay, I mm-hmm. think he is now. And I said, could we please have a teleprompt? And he said, no, 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 it's not that kind of show, no. So I, I, I did that series, and then I pissed off back to the RSC. Uh, they wanted, you know, after, this was the second series, I think, of something called Dig This Rhubarb. Well, right. nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. All right, okay. Uh, we'll put Clive on hold for a second. <laughs> um, so you started off in theatre, yes, then... yes, and carried on in theatre uh, for several years. Actually, a I mean, long time. To, yes, in rep school. You in those days you would sign up to. Uh, where did I go straight after? I went to the Belgrade Coventry for a three-month season. I then went to Newcastle University Theatre, Newcastle as it was then, and signed up for 15 months, I think. Do you know? Then went to Stoke, and that was 18 months. I mean, God, these were long contracts where mm. the audiences loved the idea of, of seeing the same actors coming back, and, and, and one week you're an old man with full as earth in your hair, and the next week you're... Well, I was never the juvenile lead, no, but the next, next week you were sort of a character actor. Do, do you know? And it was, it was incredible. People moan about it now. They sort of say, those were the days, because it was wonderful training. You just got on and did it, and did all this, this colossal range of parts. And, and it's, it, you know, you're doing Chekhov now, and then you're doing a Whitehall farce the next week. Mm-hmm. It was extraordinary. Well, not the next week. This was this was a four weekly rep in effect in those days. But it was wonderful training. That's that very posh, Bruce. I mean, I did two weekly at Nottingham, but but a lot of people were doing weekly rep yeah. where you did a different play yeah. every week. But that oh yeah, but that that's virtually gone now. And I mean, in, when I I'm well, so much I'm so much younger than you that um, <laughs> I was uh, just in four weekly. I wondered when that was going to come. <laughs> <laughs> I going to say I'm just as, as I move questions from one to the other, I'm aware of the time uh, gap that we're jumping across. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you moved into television. So then um, it was a sort, wasn't it? It's, it's, it's a, you know, I was out in the what well, you know, I was out in these, these, these uh, in reps in these various different places. I got an agent who'd come to see somebody else in the show, and so got an agent. And he says, "Right, you're going to do telly now, you know." And that was that was the course of acting. People expected that to happen, you know. Oh, I'm ready for telly now. And I did uh, sort of a couple of plays for the day, or plays for today, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and started like that really. But I didn't really enjoy it in a way because it was quite uh, because it's, it's something so different in a repertory company. You've got an ensemble company. You know each other sort of so well after a period of a year or something, and you're suddenly thrust into this uh, medium where you know no one, and you're meeting them on the very well. There was rehearsal actually because we used to go to. Um, the rehearsal at Acton in that wonderful rehearsal studio uh-huh. there, and they'd mark out the. So you, but it was all very sort of people would, were wearing collars and ties and suits for rehearsals, you know, and then the women were all dressed up, and 
regardless of the parts they were playing, people would just turn up smart. Yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was very sort of formal and rather sort yeah. of uh, rather precious, and I didn't actually enjoy starting in, in, in television. Do you remember what your first plays were, any of them? Yes, one was called The Network. It was a, it was a beautifully written piece. I cannot remember the writer, I'm afraid, but it was about Irish girls coming over to this country to have babies on the basis that um, they were going to be put up, the babies were going to be put up for adoptions, but, uh, but crooked doctors were actually taking the babies away from them, selling the babies to families who uh, wanted, desperately wanted you know, white little children. And it was, it was exposing a sort of corruption that was happening at the time, and they made a drama out of it. It was, it was, it was first rate, and I well, played a social worker. Well, also, that, 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 those, that was, those were the days of the play for today, yeah. which were often about social issues. Social issues, they? and that's precisely uh, And there were one-off yeah. dramas, an hour, an hour and a half, you know. Which you don't get now. No. Did you do any? Did you do any? You must I have did, done. Yes, I did one where, um, um, hell, what was it called? Um, I, I remember I we uh, somebody we were celebrating a, a, a wedding anniversary. Okay. Now who was I doing it with? An actor who was <laughs> and we had to have a fight because oh we'd been on family holiday right. and the somebody. He'd been taking a movie, and because of something lurking behind the trees in a, uh, uh, in a swimming pool, sorry to be so vague, I knew that, I knew that he'd have had an affair with my wife. <laughs> I think that was it. Right. We, were, we were buddies because we were amateur filmmakers. Of course, you were. And <laughs> the actor is now dead, I'm afraid, who I did it with. Not particularly because he acted with me. <laughs> no, no, he, um, Freddie, um, Fred, Freddie Yeager. Freddie Yeager. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. And uh, that was a play, the play for the day that I certainly did. I can't remember what it was called, but it was, it was rather horrible. But it was a whole was correlation, horrible. wasn't it, of people from theatre who'd done lots of theatre were able to go yep. into television and that formula yep. Yep. was there and there was much more correlation between the two media. But of course, you've both gone on to television or... I suppose, more recognisable success. And I know you've done an awful lot before you um, married yourself to Hyacinth uh, for however many well, years. Um, I, uh, well, ha what happened? Um, I, I did theatre, theatre, theatre for mm -hmm. a long time. And then... Uh, oh, oh, then uh, my, uh, I, I was reduced to joining the radio rep uh, at some point, uh, in about 1970. Um, no, I was rather glad to do that. And I, I, I don't know if you've ever... Oh, I've done you, it. you have yeah, done yeah. it. You have yeah. done it. Loved it. And Loved um, the, in those days, I mean, now the rep is like three people or something. Mm. No, it's no, no. Ridiculous. No, it's bigger now. It is big. It was, there was a time when it was actually literally down to three people. Oh, OK. And then about 10, 12 years ago, or 15 perhaps, they expanded. So now there must be... I, I should think there are about 12... Well, quite honestly, years. I'd done about 15 years theatre and I was suddenly out of work and I had three kids by this time and I thought... So, and I, I actually knew John Tideman, who was head of radio drama. Yeah. He'd been at Cambridge, you know. 
uh, he actually directed us at Cambridge. And I said, uh, anyway, so I got onto the radio rep, and that was about, talk about being respectable. It was amazing. You know, you walk down to the broadcasting house with a little briefcase, uh, and you pretend, it was like being a civil servant. And you didn't, you, you, were, you were booked like taxis. Uh, somebody would want you, the bore was to be that somebody wanted you on a Sunday at the weekend, and you couldn't refuse, you know, you were being paid to do whatever you've chosen to do. Um, so I did a lot of radio. Where, 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 how do we get on to this? Well, about the move. <laughs> about the move through your television thing, but then oh, although yes. you've done a lot of work, yes, we were talking about the fact that, you know, and there are lots of actors who this applies to, who've done a great body of work, but become known for one thing much later, and people discover them. And there were a lot of people who, with keeping up appearances... Well, I suddenly came what, across Clive Swift as Paul, as exactly Richard what Bouquet. happened was I, I had my six months on the radio rep and then basically the worst time of my career I think I had about six months when the phone just didn't ring at all, not at all and I thought I actually um, I <laughs> for the first you know the kids were eating baked beans and stuff you know, and, I, uh, and that was absolutely true but they, um, and I thought I've got to do something else so I started uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been driven to this I, I started <laughs> I went on an arts council administration course theatre administration course and I did, I went to lectures on publicity and advertising and, uh, and the phone still didn't ring and uh, <laughs> Then they started talking about the box office and the workings of the box office and things called long toms, which had something to do with advanced booking. And, uh -huh. and I, um, although I did pass O-level maps by one mark, I couldn't really keep up with that. And, and then the phone rang. And the phone rang, and it's interesting what you say. <coughs> I first got, um, I'm not sure of the order, I think I, I got Huggins in, in South Riding. I had nine episodes. We did South Riding in 13 episodes up in Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. Not like this recent South Riding, which they did in three episodes, which, but they, this was splendid stuff directed by a Yorkshireman. And then I got, I was in a long series of Clayhanger, mm -hmm. playing yeah. Albert Bembo, who is Peter McHenry's um, uh, brother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so uh, throughout the 70s I, I, I had a lot of telly yeah. and Inspector Frost oh, the well. only person to do all of them touch a frost other, uh, other than David other, Jason other than David, yes, yes. As, as Superintendent Mullet that's right but how did that come about well I, because I you know done flitted into a bit of telly here and there but actually my heart really had always been in well the heart of my <laughs> potential employers had always seen me in the theatre rather than uh, in telly. So I ended up doing about nine years on the trot with the RSC. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. longer yeah. than I was. Um, finished that, in, and then Marilyn Johnson, bless her, who, who was very loyal and been, been to see a lot of stuff at the RSC, uh, they were casting for uh, Touch of Frost, and she said, oh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see Bruce for that, you know, so I... Turned up and got the part, but it's these things work. So that's actually one of the few times, and I can really hand on heart say that telly 
came out of theatre work because she'd seen me doing a variety of stuff. Uh -huh. He can possibly manage that anal um, geezer. In, in yes, you do that very well. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so neither of you trained, and yet you are part of a group that started a place that's all about the development of actors. Well, it's probably no coincidence, is it? In my, in, certainly in my case. I increasingly actually regret the fact I didn't go to drama school because I, you, you, I when, when I was starting out as an actor, oh, I don't need drama school, you know, I can just do it. Um, and now I actually am associated with RADA in that I'm on the panel there and things like that. And you, 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 you find out much more about what, well, from way back, find out what much more about what happens at drama school and the sort of dedication and the, what a wonderful three years people have at a drama mm. school because I mean it's got nothing to do perhaps with the real life of theatre or, or or acting now it's a sort of rather hermetic thing but my God they get you know attuned <coughs> to that use of the creative imagination over that period of time and you think I wish I'd had a bit of that and I, I I think of that more and more now but I suppose. Uh, getting involved with Clive because um, it was well, you came on board very early. Very early, but you were you, you know, on board was Clive at the well, helm, well, steering the the tiller, well, weren't you? Not. But um, so you uh, said a committee. So you got together to start well, this, or yes, you were part of something larger? And this, the actors well, came came part of the, There were several reasons for kind of going. I went to Equity one day because there was nowhere for actors to go except the pub if you know if you if you weren't working except the pub or re retire and get depressed and uh, you know in your little flat and got, uh, hope you didn't bump into anybody who said you know are you working <laughs> and, and, and um, the other thing that Peter Hall did at the RSC in the early days and again I was so fortunate is that he had we had people in weekly to give us voice production lessons, movement, uh, Iris Warren, yeah. who was a famous lady, and Norman Ayrton came in and suddenly told me I had a spine, you know, I, I, and uh, the, all the whole, that whole business and how everything hung off the spine. I said, oh, it's very, absolutely fascinating. <laughs> um, um, and Iris Warren showed me that I had three vo vocal registers so um, Peter Hall had organised all this because mm -hmm. I can't have been the not just for me, you know, the whole company, the whole company. No, it still went. I remember, and I've only just remembered as you said that at the end of my first week at the RSC in the eighties, you and I were in the same sonnet class. We went up to a little room in a tower in Chelsea at the end of our first week. We weren't in the same play, and we hadn't met. Oh, yeah, and there yeah, were three yeah, of us, yeah, and yeah. we all wanted to go and meet Sister yeah, Mary yes, for an hour. Because that, that tradition of classes went on and yeah, on and on all the time I was at the RSC. You, 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 Did you have John Barton there as well? Yes, yeah. yes. Can I just say that it, it, John, John Barton... I, don't, I hope the name, I, the name may not mean anything, but I think it should. Oh, uh, yes. um, he, he trained... Our generation and 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 after us also, uh, in uh, speaking Shakespeare especially, um, and there is a, a wonderful. There's a book by playing him Shakespeare also, yeah. by him, which is playing absolutely stunning. There's also a video of people like Suchet and yes. uh, Patrick Stewart when, when they were beginners. Uh, uh, Doing the speeches and, and being taught by John. It's John's 85th birthday tomorrow. Right. So, okay. it, it, yes. Um, yeah. 
and I know he hasn't been well at all anyway, but there you are. Um, so you're, you, there's a group of you, it's equity, it's come through equity, you've gone to equity to say there's nowhere for actors to go. Yes, exactly. And so equity just write you a cheque for £25,000 and tell you to create it, do they? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. They, said, <laughs> they said there was a guy there, a kind of under-secretary called Vincent Burke, mm-hmm. who left equity some years later, but he said... Well, you've got to prove you've got to prove to the council that such a place as an actors' centre is is wanted. So you've got to form a committee. Well, I thought. Well, I was on an arts council subcommittee at the time, and I thought <laughs> like, committees are don't get on the committee. So, sorry, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> you've got to be able to deal with committees. They're, they're, a lot of people think they're just talking shops, you know. Uh, and um, anyway, so they said, you, you've got to form a committee and see if there's any support for this idea. We're not going to give you... Because I thought, we thought it was... A fight director called Bill Hobson and me thought it was such a wonderful idea. Why shouldn't actors have a headquarters like the medics have a headquarters? Every trade union has a place of their own. They can call their own. Um, and, but Vincent Burke said, well, you go away and form a committee and prove to the council that it's needed. So I thought, oh, God. Um, and that's what I did and uh, we had um, who did we get um, well, on the committee Johnny Worthy yes um, Trevor Baxter John Alderton's John Alderton, Sheila Hancock Sheila Hancock Faith Brook you Faith Brook um, so there um, were a, num- a, num- a number of us there and we just and sort of Jonathan act- Miller came to uh, yeah. one of the meetings well a, lot of, well a lot of people sort of came in and out but there actually yeah. there was a core of people and the idea was really to start off a pilot scheme and the YMCA which mm-hmm. I can't remember what the name of the street is even now just by Tottenham Court Great Russell Street, Street. Yeah. Great Russell Street the YMCA we thought well we'll do a three month um, we'll do a three month tryout when when classes and things go on in that building and a brilliant lady called Kate Mutton was was involved talk about administration I mean can you imagine what that how you organise a sort of a, a, a three-month thing like that, when you've got no sort of head start, you've really got no, uh, no, um, nothing going for you apart from actually just trying to shout from the rooftops, "Come and see us!" You know, come Absolutely, and come to our no, class. No internet, no, no, no internet, just and it was all mouth done. And everything. Yes, word of mouth adverts in the stage, adverts around the place, and well, just well, we, we we had a trial at the, and it was a rather splendid premises with a swimming pool and everything. It was rather swanky, wasn't mm, it? Mm. Actually. We had workshops for three months there. And so on day one, I well remember, we were people, yeah, precisely, because you were thinking, who's going to turn up? Yeah, for the classes. For the classes. And, and there was a sort of very organised register and you could apply and all this sort of business. And um, day one, the crowds were biblical. They just... They went round the entire block. block. It was unbelievable. Read by, uh, led by Ian McKellen, yeah. I, I remember, actually. Yeah. So it was just, it was a bit of chat-chat getting... getting Getting some sort of momentum going, and then it really took off. And really, those three uh, months were, were tremendously successful. And then you were presented with, what do you do now? Well, we were able to go to equity and say, look, it, hundreds and hundreds of people have come to these workshops. So they said, oh, fine, here's £500. <laughs> and I nearly dropped dead, actually. A lot of uh, money. 
Well, not really. <laughs> <Paul Yeah. Gio. laughs> but it wasn't enough to start an actor's centre. No, was it wasn't it? enough to go and buy the building and set so up. So this property. brilliant woman, Kate Mutton, hired an office in Wardour Street. That's what she did with the 500 quid. And she fixed classes all round the West End. Yeah, different, different buildings here and there. All and that, the, the logistics of organising that was a nightmare. And you'd turn up to a class and, oh, can't get in. Or, or, or what? Or the tutor hadn't turned. So there was all that going on. But it did actually get an identity going for the place. And then you moved to... Um, just above the rejection. No, we're in Dryden no, 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 Street. Okay, Dryden we're in Dryden Street in Covent Garden. Because, and I can't... Yeah. At some point, we had... Um, we had two sp two, 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 we had two, two spaces. Yeah. Yeah. But at some point, um, there was a thing called the um, English Broadcasting Authority. The, the IBA, the Independent Broadcasting Authority, what I'm talking about, um, which was actually formed under one of the Acts of Parliament, yeah. uh, in, in, incorporate... Or, franchising um, various independent independent television oh, yes, companies. Yes. And we worked it somehow, I don't know who did this, it was quite brilliant, that there'd be a levy, basically, almost, not, not compulsory, but there was a levy on all the independent television companies to chip in to the Actors' Centre. So Borders TV, Harlech TV, all these sort of weird television companies from all over the country were chipping in well, you know, significant sums of money. Bruce. That got, got Trident Street going, wasn't it? Uh, well, we, we had, we, we, Olivier said he'd be our first patron. Oh. I had to go and see him. Uh, um, and uh, he, so that was, so we had his name, you know, because we thought he would, was ideal because he never will stop working. Whenever he, you know, for every part, he wanted to be different and have a different voice and look different. And he was always in the gym and whatever. And I said, well, you are our ideal actor, you know, for continually training. And he said, well, if you think my name will be of any use at all. <laughs> um, so we got him. And then, um, then Alec, now what happened about the... Uh, we got onto the telly people through Alec Guinness had a lunch with Sheila Hancock and uh, Alec Guinness, you know, Sir Alec Guinness um, uh, had a new somebody in, in, in this network. Right, okay. And, and okay. he tapped some training source, uh, you know, for funds. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was like that all the time. We wondered where the next pennies were coming. But the, uh, there was a time when actually the, the financial model, if you can use a word like that, was actually fairly secure yes, because we were getting money from television companies. Yes. And then... Doesn't happen. No. No. And then Margaret Thatcher, of blessed memory, decided the IBA should be axed and, all, uh, and so we were then on... had to go cap in hand to the television companies and most of them, particularly Border TV and Harlech and people away from London said, what? You know, and, and, and didn't sign any more cheques. No, uh, well, and we were at Tottenham Court Road then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a, a very nice premises. But huge premises there, above the, the reject, reject shop. shop, as you were saying. Above the reject. Which some of us thought was rather, <laughs> rather appropriate, and others didn't didn't get the joke there. No, no. no. <laughs> but but um, and, and and then, so I think we must still have been getting money from uh -huh. from these television We were fine there for a few yeah. years, yeah. actually. And we were so successful and so good, we thought, let's get premises of our own, which is why we ended up here. Well, no, that, no, well, right. well, <laughs> well, sorry, no, but I, what I do remember is we, when they axed the television money, all these, when they changed the franchises, 
They, you know, they they gave it to different companies. So our money source dried up practically mm, mm. altogether, and we couldn't pay the rent. We couldn't pay the rent at Tottenham Court Road. We had about over two thousand members, but we then couldn't pay the rent. But this wonderful woman, Kate Mutton, who went on to be the administrator of uh, Guildford Gil Guildford School GSA, of Acting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if she's still there. She may be. I don't know, but. Um, she had uh, she had uh, amassed a contingency fund of about ninety thousand quid, <laughs> and the contingency was we had to move. We were either going to go stop completely, or move, and we moved to this place on a mortgage with this ninety thousand quid and a, and a big fundraising effort yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. especially from anthony hopkins yep. god bless his soul yep. um and then, and then we hired a certain man another nameless person another i can't remember his name <laughs> <laughs> but what he did was to spend an awful lot, lot of money equipping a, a gym here Right, with okay. the, the spanking equipment you've never seen anything like it in your life. Okay. And nobody came. <laughs> <laughs> and he sacked all our money into this bloody equipment. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. Um, and he, he had no means of, of acquiring any money. He just spent money. He spent money. Okay, so we've arrived here. We've arrived I'm... here and we're sunk again because... We were absolutely... Bumping we, we along the bottom. And I'm aware, I, I want to uh, open it up to the audience in a second, but we have arrived here and you were eventually co chairs of the, yes. of the whole thing. Um, and we've got this wonderful building. <laughs> <Lovely. laughs> Are you thinking of the spanking well, equipment? I, mean, I remember we phoned one another in the night sometimes. <laughs> we were really worried. We, we were responsible. We were some kind of company. We'd signed our names, yeah. and we were we were actually legally bankrupt. Now that isn't. And You're I, not meant to be trading, are you? Now, In fact, my we've... father was a businessman. I mean, I came, came into acting not you know to get rid of all that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, neither of us were no, business, no. even though you read law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, we got some sort of I don't know what they call now, but. Uh, a you know, when you are in receivership because you're going yes, bankrupt, okay. we got what a technical liquidate, liquidate. liquidation. We got yes. a, 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 an expert who came along and said, "Well, perhaps you're not quite bankrupt." <laughs> we do all been this, been and we she was brilliant. She was absolutely brilliant. So brilliant. Our, our heads brilliant. were above water like this, and there was one week. I was telling you earlier, there was one week when we thought, "Well, this is it. We've got no money coming in. No. We've got all this money going out. We are now technically bankrupt. We're going to have to go home." And um, the gods were with us because the, we got a phone call from the NatWest Bank who were administering our mortgage. And they said, and I think I received the call, I tell I you, my, my, heart must be have done. I don't my heart beats at the thought of it now. I mean, she's thumping away at the thought of it now. Got a call saying, oh, uh, sorry, we misplaced £20,000 of yours and we've just put it into your account. But, I mean, it brings tears to your eyes, the thought of it. We put it into your account. Um, I'm terribly sorry about that. And I remember sort of saying, well, that seems a terrible, terrible mistake. Couldn't you make it 30? <laughs> and, but actually, the money, the money came in and we did manage that from that. Happened? It was a complete miracle. 
good. It was a complete. Well, we're very grateful to the NatWest Bank for, uh, yeah, yeah, for, for making for making a mistake. Because oh, if there hadn't been a mistake, we wouldn't have spent the money anyway. <laughs> Before I got involved five years ago, I was one of those actors, and there are a few, who thought that walking in this building is a bit like wearing a badge saying you're out of work. Because successful actors don't come here. So it started for professional development purposes, but actually, isn't it just a haven for people who actually can't get jobs? Well, no. it, no, it it, it's always had that stigma, in the same way as when you speak to members of the public, or used to speak to members of the public, say, what are you doing? Are you resting? <laughs> they, people love the idea that actors are out of work. It, it's a sort of double-edged sword. It goes with the romance of the job, I suppose, up to a point. But it's also <laughs> a deadly... It's a deadly thing to endure, and it's a deadly thing to actually uh, deal with. Because I, I've always been of the belief that if you're not... You know, you, you can't, you're not really acting unless... You can't call yourself an actor unless you're actually doing it, really. We actually need to do it. And I think there was that spirit behind it as well. That if Very you, much. If you can do classes, if you can actually, you, you spend a, you know, you're either reading a poem in your own room or you're, you're phoning, as you were saying, you're phoning an agent about it or something. But if you can actually do something that says you're an actor every, every, every day, um, uh, then, you know, your conscience is clear and you, you get a bit of pride in yourself. And it was, it was very much that, I think, that was driving the centre originally. So, of course, he gets into this murky world with ah, any failures go to the actor's centre. Yeah. And that's a cross we have always had to bear, yeah. in a way. But it's... Th so it matters... What matters, not what other people think, but what is going through your head when you come in the door. And there's no question there are people coming to the actor's centre, I don't know if it's still the case now, who think they'll do it, they'll cure my problems, they'll sort me out. No, we're all responsible for ourselves. But you remind Coming me of the classes is part of that When John Alderton, bless his heart, um, he said two things. One, that uh, it was such a good idea that we need that when we needed money, there were so many rich, famous film star actors in the world that we would receive the money for it. Well, that was bollocks. <laughs> the other thing he wanted... People have been generous, though. We did get a lot of individual donations over the years. But we had more donations from more hum far more humble actors who were working actors, yeah. 10 quid, 50 quid, whatever. Absolutely. You know, far more of that, even at the beginning. But the other thing Johns wanted, and uh, this was... is he wanted a kind of, a kind of actor's studio... Where the where the cream, some real uh, big talent would come and work under a famous guru director, Peter yeah. Brook or something, and he tried to set that up. But, <coughs> but we thought we thought again that was not as kind of slightly anti-democratic, I suppose, slightly that they wasn't this the place wasn't about that exactly. But it's it's interesting that. And there are people who have come through the Actors' Centre who didn't have opportunities elsewhere. And I'm thinking of people, Miranda Hart, Noel Clark, to mention some in recent years, who, when they couldn't get work, used the resources here to develop things to, to then move on to success. Mm. I'm going to go to that moment now, which I told you about earlier, when I say any questions and um, 40 people Death remain silence. deathly quiet <laughs> uh, for a second, and then somebody's hand will go up. Um, but... Uh, Thank you very much so far. So uh, we've been we're talking about we've talked about uh, Bruce and Clive's careers very briefly, and uh, we're also talking about the Actors Centre. So this is that moment when I do say any questions, 
and I alight with delight on the... Oh, yes, I'm alighting with delight on you with your hand. I was one of the people who queued up the first time at the Royal Museum. Ah, fantastic. Brilliant. Oh, I think... Round of applause. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely. And yeah. it's brilliant yeah. to have you here. Fantastic. Any more questions? They're down here at the front. Well, this isn't really a question. I just wanted to say that I've really enjoyed your talk. And I'm, I'm an actress. I'm also one of Equities Councils. And, um, and it was interesting some of the names you were mentioning, like Johnny Burke and some, because these are all people I work with on the council. Vincent so Burke. That's okay. Vincent Burke. Johnny Worthy, yes. Yes, because I'm actually a current councillor. How is, he, how is he doing? Is he, how, is he okay? He's fine, yes, he is. He's I haven't seen him for years, yes, you know, but he was in, very committed to this. Yes, he's, he's still very involved, and um, he encouraged me to become a councillor, so Brilliant. I, know, I know a lot about working behind the scenes. And equity are, very support, equity are very supportive to us now. I mean, yes, obviously, we're physically very close, but we have a very productive relationship yeah. with equity. And the Equity Trust Fund, particularly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but our, our new CEO, Louise, yeah, has, has yeah. really forged relationships with them, and we, we shared an open day with them yeah. last year, which was a fantastic success between the two buildings, yeah, yeah. which we're hoping to do again next year. In fact, I think we, we are doing yeah, again I next year. Brilliant. Any more hands shooting up into the air? I, I, it's interesting, it's history actually, because we were talking, again, we were talking slightly earlier about this, it, it, it's, it's got to react to the times, hasn't it, basically? I mean, one, of, one, one reason that we so nearly went bankrupt, I think, was that we, were, we had a sort of vision, we thought, because there's no precedent for an outfit like this, and we had a vision, we thought, well, we'll go ahead and, and we will pick up people on the way, and it, somehow it'll work. Well, actually, it sort of did. But there's got to be, uh, it strikes me, a much more sort of subtle improvisation <laughs> to reacting to the circumstances that, that we're in. And uh, I, I know, you know we had, for example, a time when there were artist, was an artistic director here and a general manager sort of aping a, the, the, the model of a, of a theatre, you know. And that, that's very expensive to do. I, I, I think the... The answer to your question really is, is, as I say, you've got to react to what's going on. It, 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 it uh, and I think that's probably what's happening now. But it, it needs, it needs to have that core of class so that people need, you know, they're coming here to learn and to bounce off each other and to and learn something new or to expand what they can do already. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that's right. And be inspired by inter interaction when you're in, a, you know, rehearsals. What are rehearsals? They're becoming increasingly sort of um, scarce. Well, scarce in television, <laughs> non-existent in television, virtually. We had a week's rehearsal for Frost, and we thought, bloody hell, we're in Clover here, mm. because compared with other things yes. happening, it just you turned up on the day, uh, and you, you met this the woman that you were going to have a bed scene with, and <laughs> you did it, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, it was, it was, it's ex extraordinary. But, and now rehearsal, even in the theatre, you know, bang, 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 time, 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 you know, and to actually uh, reflect on our craft, art, whatever we want to call it, but actually to be able to reflect on that and work on it and say, hi, I tell you what, I want to do, I want to do a session on, 
of poetry or I want to do learn out well, what is this iambic pentameter or you know find out find find things out that we don't perhaps have time to do you can't do alone and you don't have time to do in the business yeah. and to explore and to explore and to because explore. when you're out there doing it you are doing people are paying you to do something and they want you to deliver something yeah 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 happen. and it's interesting that there is a dichotomy, isn't there? And it's thrown into quite a lot about that in America, actors do class and they're very good at doing class or whatever. Mm-hmm. And over here, English actors don't do class uh, exactly. and it's not inbred. And people say, How do we change the culture? And you're thinking, Well, we shouldn't be changing the culture, we should be making this place work for English actors. Mm. And the one thing that fills this place is anything with a scent of work about it. Any yeah. workshop that has a scent of work. Yeah. So it yeah. can be developing screen technique, but if it's developing screen technique with a director who is currently working on EastEnders, it will be full. Yeah. Um, so perhaps it's more about you know the difference between the art and the craft and yeah. the job of acting that ultimately we have to make it practically be a job. There was a time in, when the Arts Council were giving quite a lot of money away to theatre companies and that hackneyed old phrase, the right to fail, was in the air all the time because you, uh, uh, and, and you, joined, you, you, you know, had one-off project grants given and a, a piece of theatre you were doing might be wonderful, it might be awful, but there was the right to fail. And it's actually, that's part of a learning experience which is sort of going out the window because most televisions are... Safe dramas, they they follow a pattern of, of what the public will want, and God's sakes, the the production companies are so careful about that. They won't deviate from it. You know, we've got to get the names. We've got to get a, a, a writer who can write a particular script and follow a particular pattern. You know, they they play it safe, and the actor centre is somewhere where you don't hopefully don't have to play it safe. You can fall flat on your face in front of other members of the of the profession. And pick yourself up and get on and do do something else. You know, I'm rather proud of the fact that I saw uh, Matthew Lloyd actually has um, created uh, with a guy, a guy called Kerry Shale. They've um, they've pursued this idea of verbatim theatre. You know, where you go out and uh, did you know all this? You go and interview real people and then play their stuff back through headphones and. You characterise what they're saying. Well, I saw something the other day um, about it. They're, they're all Jewish. All the characters are Jewish, actually, because Kerry Shale himself is Jewish. And But Matthew Lloyd is behind it. Now, this was actually pioneered at the Actors' Centre. The great success yeah. was London Road, London Road the yeah. National, yeah. of course. Which, but I, this is a very thrilling. I don't think this is a complete success, but the technique is very, very exciting. And I, I feel rather proud that this had been pioneered at the Actors' Centre, that's all. Really. Yeah. And that actually, you know, totally new. It, it may yes, have it fallen on its face and mean people say, no, you can't go down that route, but actually produced something that was really exciting. Given a chance to breathe yeah. because of the work done. Now, would the, would the National Theatre have uh, done a workshop on that? They might have done, but they didn't actually occur to Well, they, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't uh, know. There was another you, sir, and then I'll come to you, and then I think don't know if I can remember the question. Oh, right. Well, no, uh, <laughs> well, I was going to ask, given that you two chaps have not trained, you've, you've done rep, uh, and rep is not so common now, do you think actors now are missing out at 
Yes, I do. Yeah. How did we get it back? And, and are there advantages well, now that there weren't there? Well, I mean, the, the, I, I suppose um, there's a sort of skating element in the profession now that you sort of can skim the top. People go straight from drama school. If they're lucky, they get a telly part. Do you know? And that seems to be the ethos for a lot of people as opposed... You do hear people who say, no, I want to do theatre work uh, and that. But, of course, the rep system was an expensive system. It comes down to money. If the Arts Council isn't giving us the money and they're looking for cuts left, right and centre, uh, and the people, people will not buy the argument that... Uh, uh, the, 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 you know, our business earns this country billions of pounds through various different expressions of it. You know, and people won't buy that argument, and they won't research. Uh, they won't develop the talent that we've got. They, they won't do the research and development that is is required. But, but it, it's, it's a crying shame, though. You know what you said about rep and playing any, any bloody part, because you you just the notice used to go up backstage. And it said you played that part. You didn't. There was no consultation or no audition or anything. And you could be playing a hundred-year-old guy or some. You know, you didn't know what you were doing. American, any. You know, any accent. I was asked to sing in the Beggar's Opera. Nobody had asked me if I could sing. <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> I was terrified out of my life. <laughs> um, uh, you should have gone to the actor centre for lessons, haven't you? Absolutely. Yes, yes, it didn't exist. How to succeed in musical theatre. <laughs> yeah. There you are. We'd have, uh, we'd have booked you in. <laughs> I'm going to take one more question, and I'm aware of time, but there, your hand was up. Hello. Um, I wanted to ask you, you talked about sort of the huge range of casting you had back in the day in theatre, maybe TV as well, I don't know if it was the same back then. Um, I'm very aware that now casting is so strongly about the person that you want them to what be exactly like, like reimagine the role. Do you think it's ever possible to sort of bring it back to that? Because I think it's fairly disruptive. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on the writers, writers, I think. I mean, I've always... I, I have a rather purist view that I, I feel we... Uh, we, we are sort of ciphers for good writing. The most satisfying job you can do is when you've got a good script and you make it live, be that Shakespeare or something that's just written yesterday. And there are certain, so, so it depends on the style of writing. Now, the style of writing, unfortunately, is getting, uh, in a lot of ways, more and more naturalistic, realistic, you know, what, so we, someone's got to look just... That. When we were doing rep, it didn't matter that you were a, 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 a 28-year-old well, playing an old man, say. The audience bought that. It's and there is a on the stage, Bruce. Eh? It's different on the stage. Not, not, no, no. Increasingly, I mean, I'm with you. I think increasingly for the stage as well, the casting goes to what you look like. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. But there, there are opportunities to do. You know, depending on the type of writing, there are opportunities to to, to do a range of parts and show. You know, I, I regard myself as a character actor, hopefully capable of doing lots of different parts. But I don't know. I, I won't get much work just being me. I mean, so, I mean, say, I mean, I'm talking, for example, say, you know, Dustin Hoffman getting cast in The Graduate would never yeah. happen now. No, you're probably I right. Mean, but it's about risk, people not, yeah, not prepared to take that risk. But he was very, but hang on, he was very young when he did that. He, yeah, he, he, he looked like a... Yeah, well, he was 30, and... Well, yeah, yeah it's, okay. It's not, it's not he wasn't a graduate, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, the greatest 
think it's the lack of theatre, it's the lack of thriving theatre. You see, we, we were very fortunate because, I, believe it or not, in the 60s, when I started, theatres were being built. They were being built all over the place. Every town had its own rep and, and you know, uh, and, and now the theatre, it's no longer a fashion. People don't go to the theatre. It's, it's a different world, totally different. Well, but it does come back to this playing it safe. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a, a, a show at the moment which has to be a joint production without a joint and the Northcote Theatre in Exeter. Which we were going to plug. Which you can plug. Okay. <laughs> but, this is your, this is but, your show. But no, my point here is that actually, t time back, you, you know, both those companies would be doing original work for, mm. of their own. Now, there are four of us in the cast of this play and it's produced by two, two uh, production houses getting together. And everybody says, oh, good, theatre's live and kicking, isn't it? Yes, but no, it's, that's 50% of what might be done with a small cast, what might have been done in the past with a small cast. It comes down to, you know, unless we can convince... This is, you know, Equity's campaign to get recognition of the fact that the, the, arts, the arts council cuts are disastrous. And unless we can actually really get behind that, um, I don't see the situation changing. Can I just say, I've seen, it's a good play, it's a super play, it's very well done, and... Um, and what's it called, Bruce? And it's, called, it it's called Cyphers, uh, it's, it's by Dawn King, it's a wonderful... It's a spy uh, drama. ...play, right, and we're doing it at the bush for a month in January, we just finished a, a six-week tour. And if we're doing plugs, I'm going to go right back to 1978, when I was leaving drama school, and... You were about to come to the Royal Exchange in Manchester to give your Baron hard up in Cinderella. Blinking neck. I know. But Rumble. Just before you did that, you were a hero to everybody leaving drama school in 1978 because you wrote a rather wonderful book. I wrote a book. And do you know what I managed to get on the internet the other day? <laughs> I got it. it cost a pound now. A, pe a penny or it something. It did. It cost a penny and £2.78 for postage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good, good, good. I'm glad. I'm it glad. is, and it ties in an awful lot with the ethos, because it's not called the art of acting or the craft of acting. It's called the job of acting. And it was the most, to an actor, about to go out in 1978 and make the transition from the cocooned world of drama school to the real world and to have to pay for my own baked beans and five ways with a baked potato. It was the most valuable guide. And the figures and the facts are out of date, but the, the methodology behind it is still really, really sound. Oh, Paul, well, thank you. And I used to have a copy of it that was signed, and I don't. I've lost it, so I'm going to get you to sign that. Well, so that's your shameless plug, all right? <laughs> and, of course, you can always buy So You Want to Be a Corporate Actor, which is my book. <laughs> Have you signed it? <laughs> and that's the sale at the reception. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please join me in thanking the wonderful Bruce Alexander and Clive Smith. we have it that's the third off the record talk done by the actors center and it was good yeah it was interesting. really interesting the two founders of the actors center and uh interesting ian mckellen being the first guy first guy in the queue the, the long all those queue, years ago yeah uh, around the corner to uh, that's great that the, the, the birth of something like that has mm. and and where they are now 
yeah um absolutely it's, it's great and just also to hear about obviously hear about their careers and uh, all sorts of stuff yeah, yeah. it's nice it's, it's good. good so um obviously people can come to the actor center and uh, do workshops everything that they said and uh get in touch and come down so the next off the record is going to be did they announce it? I think they did. Yes, they did. Derek Jacobi. Yeah, Sir Derek Jacobi, yes. Mr. Jacobi, yes. Yes, on the 8th, I believe, of January. Yes, Don't of quote January. me, yes. but the 8th of January. I'm sure that'll be very interesting. And very popular. And very popular. We'll I be there. I hope he talks about iClaudius. That'll be exciting. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. So, we'll be there recording it for you all, if you can't make it, if you can't manage to get a ticket to go. So... If you do want to go, I'm sure the details will be released on the Actors Centre website of when uh, you can book your place for that. Um, or email, you can always email reception at Actors Centre. They handle all the bookings, as far as I know. And uh, that's it for this yes, week. Yes, and this also this interview will be available on our website as well. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. So you can uh, listen to this and all of our the, the other previous Off The Records and the previous podcast shows from Don't Be So Dramatic. Yes. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm Steve Bradley. I'm Jason B. Moore. Don't be so dramatic. Bye.